Anna here. Did you know I have another podcast? And did you know it's all about failure? Well, at this point, you'd have to answer yes to both of those questions because I just told you. But my other show isn't just about failure. It's about failing your way to success. Yes, success. Because the most successful people are often just the people who've gotten up the most times after their failures. Don't believe me? Go download Fail Your Way to Success wherever you get your podcasts or go to failyourway.com for more info. Now back to the show. Hi there. Welcome to the show. I am your host, Anna David. If you're new to this podcast, this is the very first time you're listening, do not get too used to this format because it is a two-part interview and that is the this is the first time I've ever done it. I did it because this is a very special episode. It is an interview with Emily Lynn Paulson. We do other intros as this gets going because, as I said, this is taken from two different interviews. One happened over Facebook Live. One happened over Zoom. Podcasts had a different name back when these things were happening. And the reason that we wanted to just really get this journey at two different times is that this is an interview with a woman whose first book My company, Light Hustle, is publishing. It is available now. This book is called Highlight Real, Finding Honesty and Recovery Beyond the Filtered Life. Uh, Go grab your copy on Amazon. It's been called an instant classic in the recovery genre. And I have never been so proud. Um, If you think I'm biased that, you know, oh, I'm the publisher, it's so great, go read it. And by the way, if you don't love it, I will personally give you your money back. I am not kidding. That That is how sure I am that you will love this book. Anyway, I wanted to capture Emily at the different phases of this journey of working together. And so I interviewed her right when we were beginning, and then I interviewed her as we were getting ready to get the book out there. So you get this special two-part episode. You are going to love this woman. You are going to love this book. And now I am going to stop talking and give you Emily Lynn Paulson. Hi, Emily. I'm so excited you're here. Um, and I'm and I'm excited um, for the people who are going to show because you're not here yet. And and I'm sorry for you, but you're going to be. And that's so exciting because I am talking to my latest uh, and newest and possibly final like, girl crush. Um, <laughs> there's no reason you couldn't stay at the top. Um, and um, and so I am going to I was going to read Emily's bio, but it's it's a bit it's a bit long. Not not that that's a bad thing. Um, the important thing is that she has five children, a thriving career, um, and mystifies me. Hi, Jordan. So happy you're here. Um, and, um, manages to be the most together person I've ever not met. This was the first time we actually met. And I'm so excited because we are producing her first book, um, which is tentatively titled highlight reel. Yes. And, um, and um, so what I'm doing is what I did with Alexis uh, Haynes last week, which is I'm capturing Emily at the beginning, middle, and end of her journey of sharing her story. And what's fascinating to me about this is Emily has been in the background, and she is about to bust out into the foreground. So this is a really interesting journey. Um, hi, Richard. Hi, Art. We're very glad you're here. So Emily, thank you for doing this. Oh, yes, of course. Thanks for having me. I should mention that one of Emily's Instagrams is, um, the handle is, wow, you have your hands full. And that really could describe you. 
please explain to us how one woman could have five children, a thriving career, a happy relationship, and be a practicing alcoholic? (laughs) Well, I think part of the reason why the book is called Highlight Reel and kind of how the name came about is that's what people have seen, right? And you've been said, oh gosh, you got it all together. I don't know how you keep it all together. I mean, that is the highlight reel, right? You see all the good things. You don't see what ends up on the cutting room floor. Um, And so the, um, you know, how to really has been how I found, you know, my, my journey, my story. And really what people didn't see was, you know, the darkness, the, um, you know, the substance problem. And um, so how do I do it? I mean, how do you do anything that you do? Like you, you do, you know, I've got all these kids and, you know, I'm doing things a lot differently than I have been in the past. Um, But I think it's, it's just all been, it's all been a journey. Um, And, you know, now I'm, I'm definitely, I'm a different kind of mom. I'm a different kind of person. I'm a different kind of business owner than I was three years ago, four years ago, five years ago. And so that's kind of where the, this whole book came about was documenting that. And, um, I think one of the things when I sort of came out as saying, okay, I'm an alcoholic, I, I'm not drinking anymore, um, was, oh gosh, you look like you had it all together. And it's because that's what I was showing people. And you don't see the behind the scenes. You don't see, you know, the struggle, the anxiety, the um, pain, the trauma, all of the stuff that we all carry with us. Um, and for me, it came out with obviously an alcohol problem. Mm-hmm. What? How long are you sober now? Um, two and a half years. And um, how long would you say you were a practicing alcoholic? You know, I think it was held off again, the five kids. I, I was a person, luckily, I did not drink when I was pregnant. Um, and so, you know, with back to back pregnancies, I think that held it off for a long time. Right. If I, if I, you know, looking back and going through, you know, doing this book, uh, you know, when I probably when I first had a drink, I realized that it didn't affect me the same way it affected other people. The first um, time. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those things where, oh, it's gross or whatever. But the feeling I had was like, wow, okay, this, like, I get it. I totally get why people drink. How um, old were you? I was 13, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm, which I think is pretty typical. And I wasn't really a problem drinker. I didn't drink a lot at that age. Um, but when I did drink, I would get drunk. And I think back then, the difference between me and my peers, and in college, the difference between me and my peers wasn't noticeable because there's a lot of people experimenting at that age. There's a lot of people binge drinking in college. Um, but then as I got older, it, you know, it was noticeable. I would start blacking out. Um, and I kind of would notice that maybe other people wouldn't It's like, Oh, you remembered what happened last night? Weird. Um, and then again, got married, got pregnant. And so I didn't have a lot of time in between to, you know, figure out that this was a problem. So it really wasn't until I would say my youngest was about a year old when, you know, shit really started hitting the fan and it started catching up to me in a big way. And, um, you know, just led into a lot of other parts of my life. And I thought I was handling it. Um, I, I was one of those people who tried to control it myself. Like I did try and have cleanses or stop for 
a month or stop for two months. Um, and it would always be worse, uh, once I, once I back on. Yeah. That's interesting. I never thought about that actually, how after the attempt, that failed attempt, it actually got worse because I think part of it is that like, well, the wheels are off the bus now. Um, Ooh, Emily seems to be having some sort of a, uh, oh my God, she's not perfect. Something dropped. I can't believe it. Um, we, we just saw it. Um, but, but so, and so this entire time you're managing to hold it all together. I assume you're doing carpool and PTA. You just, I'm assuming that cause you just oh, yeah. strike me like that. Yeah. Yeah. That. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, and were the other moms at school knowing, was this a big, uh, point of contention with your husband? Like what, what, what were the repercussions? No, I mean, at first there were none, right? Like I, I kind of found a way to make it part of my life. Like there was, if there was a happy hour, I would be there. Um, you know, my kids go to Catholic school and, you know, nothing against Catholics, but like, there's always a drinking event, right? Even at like at the happy hours at school, the parent club, like there's alcohol. And so it, it was, there was always, it was always available. Um, so I always, you know, made a way to make sure that I was with the people who were happy getting a drink. Um, I, but, but then people wouldn't know necessarily that I had already drank at home before, or that Mm -hmm. I was going to go home and drink after. And, and so I would say there were a lot of people who didn't really know until again, and still there started being repercussions. Um, You know, I started having trouble in my marriage and, you know, there's secrets and, texts that you're hiding and, um, you know, not remembering things. Um, I would get, you know, again, I would get like blackout drunk. Um, and you just kind of never knew, like you never knew what you were going to get. If, if I went out, I might drink and be fine. Um, or I might wake up the next day and not know what happened. Um, but I would always justify it with other people. Like, um, you know, I would see other people doing the same thing sometimes, um, maybe not to that degree, but, but I consistently justified it enough in my mind. Um, I mean, I can't tell you how many time I, times I Googled, am I an alcoholic? Right. Like, many, many times, but there's enough questions on that list that there's always one that didn't apply. Right, right, right. Yeah, and so use always, that one as evidence. Yeah. I'd always look for the caveat. And so I would say that I had really convinced myself that there wasn't a problem. And again, I think even my husband and, you know, talking about this and working through this and looking back, like, obviously you can, you can look back and see, obviously there was a problem. Like nobody drinks that much that often, but he also knew that I was able to stop. Right. Like I went several pregnancies without drinking. I could go a month or so without drinking and it was fine. So to him, again, that was a reason why, I must not be not right. I must not right. have a problem. How does he feel about uh, you busting open with this? Um, I mean, I'm assuming you looked like the perfect family, and here, here, this is coming out. Was this a big discussion with him? Well, you know, you know what's funny is it obviously like consequences start to come out, like when there's cracks and and things start to come out. So I think for the people who know us, they they know we're not perfect and, and love us for it. And the people who assume or hear things or gossip or whatever, like we don't really give a shit about. And right. We feel like the more we have talked about what we've dealt with and the more, especially the more I've talked about what I've dealt with, the more we've connected with the people who matter. Yeah. 
And, you know, you find people who, oh gosh, that's happened to me too. Um, I, ha I have people, you know, reach out who I never knew maybe had a problem with drinking or I never knew they had a problem with their marriage or I never knew, I mean, a myriad of, of a list of issues. And, you know, it was that point of connection. So um, I think for him, he's definitely a, not as open of a person as, as I am, but he has seen um, really the benefit of it and how it's benefited us and our relationships and our relationship with our kids. Um, you know, because there are things that, you know, consequences of that happen that become very public. You know, one of the things that happened to me is I got, um, I got pulled over drinking. That was like the biggest, um, you know, it was the, obviously a criminal issue. Right. Um, but that was the first thing where, at least I thought was the first thing where the kids had to confront that I had a consequence from drinking. Um, and my two oldest, you know, I picked them up from school and I had this breathalyzer in my car. Like, so now right. it's like, okay, this is going to be an awkward conversation. And I said, you know, I was just like, look, you're, it's a law that you cannot drink and drive. And I did, I got in trouble and, and this is my consequence. And they were like, oh, so are you going to jail? Like, no, or like, okay. So right. it was, it was not as big of a deal for them. Like I was so worried about that. And my three younger never questioned it. Right. I talked to him about it now since, you know, it's been a couple of years, but, um, you know, all of a sudden then you give someone a ride, um, you know, you drive for the field trip and, you know, that's an awkward conversation you have to have with a third grade teacher. Like, Oh, by the way, I forgot this breathalyzer in the car. So right. things that you try to be, keep private start bubbling up and start coming out and you, you kind of start having to talk about them. And, um, you know, and then like with my kids, you know, I, I started realizing once I really, once I got sober and things started to get clear, you know, I started realizing how much it had been affecting them that I didn't realize, like right. how disconnected I had been and how I was dropping the ball in places where maybe I didn't think I was. And so, um, you know, it, it, those, I think those eye-opening things that, that do make it a little public kind of pushed me to, to just say, this is what works. Well, it's interesting. I just got back from this retreat that, uh, mm -hmm. that Brian Hampton and I did. And I was talking to a mom who was on the retreat and she was saying, you know, their family looks totally perfect. She's got this super hot husband. They have these gorgeous kids and that they, the, the husband who's also sober was joking that he wanted to, um, make a shirt that says, I know I look like I'm okay, but I'm not, uh -huh. you know, and really this idea that, that they're, that we're all fucked up uh -huh. and we have been raised and I don't think this is just Americans you know but we've been raised to make it look so perfect and that alienates us that constricts us and the minute we start actually telling people that we've got these problems we feel better they feel better why are we not just doing that Emily let's create a new world where we just do I know. that I know right I mean it's, so Okay. And so what made you go, okay, this is a book. I know you took my quiz. Yes. So yes. somebody, a girlfriend in sobriety said, oh, what happened? How did this happen? So, you know, I think over the course of, you know, one of the things I was doing was journaling. So over the course of a couple of years, when you're writing 15 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, all of a sudden you have like a freaking novel. And you can start kind of putting the pieces together. And the more I talked and, and um, you know, through the company I worked for, I did 
I have done some keynote speeches and a lot of it is um, based on, you know, my story and that idea that here's the picture I posted, but this is what was really going on. And that idea, the highlight reel, what you see, what's really happening and don't compare and blah, 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 all that stuff. Right. It applies. It totally applies in, in everybody's life. Um, and you know, I've been told from friends, like, you should write a book, you should write a book, you should write a book. And so, you know, and I, I think I sent you like my, my first 20 years, right. All the journal entries from the first 20 years. And it's like, it's, it just sort of happens where I'm like, I, I, this is, this is kind of what the direction I need to go. And this is, Mm -hmm. I need to do something with this. And, um, and so the keynote speaking you do is obviously not yet about recovery, but is, is that the plan once the book is out? Yeah, I mean, I feel like this has all sort of, it's, it's just kind of manifesting itself. And through, you know, through sobriety, through AA, I have found other women, I found other groups. Um, I'm, you know, in I'm becoming certified to be a, um, a professional recovery coach, which not necessarily to like have clients and coach people into recovery, but it was really about like learning about myself. And learning about how to better myself. And, you know, I do have this Instagram community and how can I share my story and how can I um, help other people? And, you know, what is helpful to know, what is helpful to ignore, what is, you know, and what's out there? Like AA worked for me. I've been a believer in AA, but I know it's not for everybody. Um, And, you know, I I only go to women's meetings um, and I found this, you know, She Recovers um, group just through this mom and daughter um, team. And it's all about like recovery. It's in general, like we're all recovering from something. And while a lot of the women I've met have been recovering from substances, um, it's about everything. It's from, you know, sexual abuse, eating disorders, um, you know, being a, a workaholic. Um, so there's, there's so many things and you don't have to be rock bottom. It's about early intervention and, mm-hmm. um, just about growing and learning. And so, you know, trying to, you know, get this designation and the certification and, um, you know, I feel like that is where my passion, that, that's where the direction I'm going and whether that's speaking, um, sharing in groups, um, writing another book. Um, I don't know. I mean, like that's where I am right now. And this is, I feel like this is just all a journey that I'm going on and everyone's just kind of along for the ride. And is it a fun journey? Is it a scary journey? I mean, both, you know, talking to Kristen and working on the book, you know, there are things that have come up that I've talked about that I've even been like, Oh, you know, Oh, that's, that's why that happened. Or, uh, you know, there's been so much self-discovery and, and I've learned so much about myself. Of course, a lot of it, you know, looking back, it, a lot of it is pain, there's painful memories to bring up. There's painful things to bring up. And, you know, there will be, I think, things that are painful for people to read. But I also feel like you you can't skip over it. You can't ignore it. Like that's one thing I've learned through this journey is, you know, you cannot ignore things. You've got to you've got to get through them. Can't go over them. Can't go around them. Can't go back. Right. Um, and you're so much better, you know, getting, getting through it. And, you know, I've always hated the saying, like everything happens for a reason. Cause I, I don't believe that. Like, I don't believe people's husbands die for a reason. I don't believe people get cancer for a reason. I don't think there's a reason, um, you know, that bad things happen, but I do think like, no matter what happens to you, you're 
responsible for making some sort of a meaning out of it and not dwelling on the things that are the, that are not possible, like not even not probable, like, you know, I probably will never be president, but, but, you know, I, you know, things like that, like you could still hope for that. Like I'll probably never win the lottery, but sure. Still hope for that. Right. Things that are probably likely, likely never going to happen. But I'm talking about the things like, I wish I could go back and change. Like that is never going to happen. You are never going to go back. It doesn't mean you don't wish things could have been differently. It doesn't mean, you know, my friend who's just recently lost her husband, it doesn't mean she doesn't wish every second of the day that he was back or if she could have him back today, but that is not going to happen. So what are you going to do to make meaning out of that death or that loss or that journey or that divorce or that whatever it is, like you can't change it. So what are you going to do now to learn from it? And I feel like that is, that has, that's had so much power for me that yeah, there are things that are scary. There are things that are like, oh my God, am I really going to write this down and put this out there? And then I'm like, yeah, I am. Because I've seen how that has helped and how that I can help other people. Mm-hmm. And one thing I did want to talk about too was, um, you know, with Light Hustle, we try to make it, <laughs> Richard, she'd make a hot president. Amen. <laughs> I don't think she has time, frankly. <laughs> Although when you said you're becoming a recovery coach too, I'm like, maybe she just does have like 48 <laughs> hours in the day when we only have 24. I don't know. But, um, but, but, um, you know, we really tried to make a community with this, with Light Hustle, where we're having our other authors support one another. And I want, um, you know, them to be reviewing each other's books once they're out. And I loved because we're working on this book with Alexis, who I, Alexis Haynes, who I interviewed last week. Um, you know, you watched that interview and then said, hey, I have experience with what you guys talked about. And I'm very interested in it, this TMS. Will you mm-hmm. talk about that? Yeah, for sure. So, TMS therapy, and I have to apologize for continuing to adjust these, but I like the holes in my ears must be an odd size because I always have this problem. They just keep coming out, whatever. I have really my one flaw. I know, I know. And you once dropped something. Um, That's only because of the tiny holes in your ears. So go on. Exactly. Um, So TMS therapy, it's a magnetic, it's like an MRI technology, and they found that they can. kind of hone in on this one area of your brain that controls the um, serotonin output. Um, And they found that people with depression and anxiety, that part of their brain just isn't activated. It's not active. It's not uh, producing, uptaking serotonin in the right way. You know, that whole chemical imbalance idea. That's, that's really kind of where that comes from. And so they've found a way that if they magnetically kind of charge this area over and over, just light pulses, that it can reactivate it. And then there are people who have had, you know, long standing depression who've you know, tried medication after medication after medication. And I'm all, I mean, I'm all for medication. I've used it for years for different things. And I mean, I'm, I, I'm a big believer that it helps people. Um, but there are people who've tried different kinds. It doesn't work. They try another, it stops working. They combine them. They have side effects. Like sometimes the side effects are worse than the depression itself. And, um, so for me, I really, you know, I, I've always struggled with depression and anxiety. And especially once I stopped drinking, all those feelings that you're numbing down, that you're, um, you know, drinking away, um, you know, you, you have to deal with those. And I did have an increased anxiety and 
Um, you know, once you start remembering those things that maybe you blacked out or you start having that guilt, you, you, you go through this cycle of like, oh my God, all this stuff I've done and I've done to my family and all these things. And you, you do kind of, I fell into a, into a depression. Um, and so I, I looked into this and my doctor talked to me about it. Um, and then the other thing that happened, I, I ended up having surgery, um, and had to go off of medication and I thought, well, this is a great time. I'm going off of it. It goes. Those small ears. <laughs> um, you know, this would be a good time. Also, my deductibles met. So perfect. Um, I'm going to try this out. And basically, it's every day for six weeks. Um, every weekday, you go in for like 20 minutes, they put this funny kind of helmet on your head. And it, you know, you get all these, it sort of feels like a woodpecker tapping on your head um, over and over. It's not really that big of a deal. Um, and you know, it, it does over time kind of increase the activation in your brain. And, um, you know, it worked, it worked really well for me. It took, it took probably six months to see the full effect of it. Um, and, you know, depending on the person, they do change the treatment and they're always developing it. Um, I even think they've, they've changed the, um, the length of time on it, even since I've had it, um, but, you know, you might have to go in for like a little booster dose every year or so, but it's, um, it's really helped me. I, um, you know, just full disclosure, still am on medication, right. a very low dose, um, but much lower and fewer uh, than I had been on in the past. And uh, so it, it's, it's been really um, helpful for me and I hope it helps Alexis. I know that she can't take medication. So um I'm fascinated because my best friend is a psychiatrist who does yeah. it. Yeah. Or, or I, I don't know if he physically does mm-hmm. it. And I, and when I, when I heard about it, I was like, can, can we do it? Can I yeah. do it? And he said, no, because it's for, it's for treatment resistant and, and my meds work, but God, now you're getting me excited about the idea of being <laughs> off of meds. But yeah, but I think I'm like somebody who got LASIK and still has to wear glasses a little bit at the time. Like, I feel right. like I'd be one of those. You're a tough case. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like like we're gonna get ninety percent of it, but that ten percent you're still gonna need that little boost. Yeah. Um. So okay, this has been so fun. Um. Anybody who wants to find out more about you should go to emilylynnpaulson.com, Correct. Yeah. And what about following you on Instagram? Yes. So I'm at uh, my personal page, which is also fascinating. Um, Why you have your hands full? Yep. And my sobriety community is Highlight Real Sobriety and Real R E A L. Okay. So, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to actually write these. Oh, it's okay. not, it can be challenging. Um, <laughs> yes. Highlight Real Sobriety. But not dot like, com. Oh, sorry. Yeah, that's just, I know. I it's okay. You. It's hard for me. I have small ear holes. You can't type. It's okay. I know. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> at Highlight Real Sobriety, if you're listening. And um, we'll be doing another of these in a month or two as we get ready for publication of the book, Highlight Real. And, um, and thank you. Thank you, Richard. Marianne, who looks like a relative with her last name Paulson, I'm gonna, I'm gonna guess. Um, <laughs> is that mom? No, it's, um, it's a aunt on my husband's side. Lovely. Oh yeah, true. Um, Joe, Muhammad, Richard, everybody, uh, we'll see you next time. Thank you. Thank you, Emily. Hey, thank Bye. you. Bye. Okay. So this is an interesting conversation to be having because we're in constant communication right now. This is like, <laughs> we are at the point where it's really happening. Yes. So it how really does is. that feel now? 
You know, it's funny. I, I actually posted on Instagram about this the other day because I like go through these weird like mood swings where, <laughs> where which is really funny because I have like so many like pubescent children in my house um, that I'm like super excited and like cannot wait for everything to just be out there and everyone to read it. And then I go to like, oh shit, people are going to read this. So it's, and it's, and there's so much going on and there's so many more details than I ever knew. You know, this is my first rodeo, right? So it's, it's just, it's, it's exciting. It's a lot. It's, 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 it's almost better that it's, there's so much going on so that I don't get distracted by the, oh shit, people are going to read this. (laughs) When you say so much going on, you mean not in your life right now, because there's always a lot going on in your yeah. life, but like in the book, in the yeah. story, there's so much going on. Yeah. Cause I feel like it's like, try a little bit and you know, you look at it and it goes back and forth. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, this is like, now we're doing all this now and we got to figure this out now and this out and your cover art and this and that, and how does this look and send it back. And it really is just a lot of stuff. Yeah, I mean, I will say it's, um, we don't give you that much warning that it's going to speed up and be crazy. And if it was traditional publishing, this would be happening over a nine month period. Right. Where you would just be sitting and it would take, you know, about three months to get your cover done. And then, you know, blurbs. Like we have, yeah, it really, really happens at a, you know, sped up schedule. But it's fun, right? You don't have to say just because you're talking to me. (laughs) No, it is fun. It is. It's exciting. Every day it's like, oh, I didn't know I needed to do that. Okay, let's get on it. Let's, what's going to happen today? (laughs) So, how much of your story had you revealed? have you revealed already versus what's in the book? You know, it depends on the person, right? Um, and I guess that's where, where when I really started this process of like, you know, the day I got sober was like rewinding, figuring out like, where did all this start? The chicken before the egg? Like, is this all really alcohol related or all these problems related to alcohol? Was alcohol a symptom? you know, what really is, where did this start? And, you know, going back to really my childhood. Um, and, and I found that I really compartmentalized. And I think that's similar with a lot of, you know, addicts, alcoholics, compartmentalized different sections of people. Um, you know, you've got college friends, you've got coworkers, you've got people who live in this geographical area, people in this geographical area, and they know about you, what you show them. And and I really lived that way for a very long time. And so while there are definitely people in my life who know me and know all the nitty gritty and everything that's happened in my life, there are people who, you know, have no idea um, maybe what happened when I was in college or have no idea um, what happened even six years ago. Um, So it, and I, I'm sure that's typical of most people. You don't, you know, walk into work and air, start airing all your dirty laundry. But um, for me, I just found that the most healing came when I was able to just connect all those parts of myself and and connect the dots for other people too. Um, you know, even my uh, my own mom, who you know she knows a lot. Um, just going through this process has helped her. Um, figure out things that maybe where there were, there were parts missing where she thought, Oh, now that makes sense. I didn't know that was going on. That really makes sense. Um, so, you know, as painful as some things are to read and to put out there and to have read, 
I think it just connects the dots for, for me and, and for a lot of other people in my life. So does that mean you've been showing your mom pages as, as you go? Um, no, I mean, I've just been talking about the process, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, you know, with the realization that she's going to read it and, you know, there are, there are things that she knows. And, you know, that's one thing I talk about in the book a lot too, is I made p- other people feel comfortable with my story. Um, in a lot of ways, I would tell people things that weren't as bad as they really were. So it was a, a little bit, it was a lot actually of just the lies of omission, um, mm-hmm. kind of dumbing things down. So it didn't maybe hurt other people or affect other people as much. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, that obviously was, was a theme, um, just in my life and in my relationships. And so it's really just ripping off that bandaid and saying, you know, this is what was really going on. And now maybe this makes a lot more sense of why this happened. What about Kale? Has he been reading? Um, no, I mean, he knows the whole story. Right. And so I, you know, he knows what's in it. And I think reading it from top to bottom is, is like just the best way to go about it because he knows all the bits and pieces and it's just really the way that I'm putting it together. Um, but you know, that's obviously when you're putting out a memoir about yourself, um, there's other people involved and he's a big part of it and he's always been a very private person. So I think through this, he's seen how much it has helped other people and how much it's helped us and helped him. And, um, so I think, you know, I think he'll be happy with the, the finished product. (laughs) When it's, when it's out there. So you're going to wait until it's an actual book and go here. Yes. Okay. Yeah. And when you say it has helped people, do you just mean being public about your recovery? Yeah. Yes, yeah, definitely. And, and be more public about, you know, things that have happened or experiences I've had. Um, you know, I, I feel like a lot of people think if they have a secret or, or, you know, something that's happened in their life, like I can never share this with anybody. Like if people knew this, dot, 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 or I could never share this because dot, dot, dot. And the reality is like the more awful or, um, dark or whatever the secret is that you're thinking you can't tell other people like that's, that's more reason to share it because there are people who feel that way. There are people who've gone through those things. There's people who have those exact same stories. And, you know, it's definitely something I learned in AA, um, I walked in thinking I could never share things that I had gone through and then turned around and heard all of those things from other people um, and more. And you just realize that we really are so similar in a lot of ways. We've had different experiences, but I think that the more honest we are, like how refreshing would that be to be able to actually say how we're feeling when someone says, how are you? Right. I mean, Oh, fine, 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 fine. We live in this like fine world. And, and it's just so much more comforting when you can actually talk about the things that you're actually going through. Now, here's what I'm going to tell you. And I've sort of, uh, sort of hinted at this over email. So, you know, the way my process works is I don't know the entire story until I read it, which was officially, I think two and a half or three weeks ago. And I, you know, based on, you know, the things I know about you, how you look, what your life is like, the five children. I'm like, so Emily's story is going to be like, you know, I'm sure it'll be powerful because it'll be well told, but like, 
I don't know, she got pulled over for drunk driving and it was just so traumatic. And so, you know, and I think that's what's so amazing about your story is that it's freaking intense and you do not appear to be somebody who went through those things, which is exactly what your book is about. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it, the, the reason, and I am not just saying this, the reason it's such a page turner is I, I'm reading it and I go, oh, holy, okay, so that happened. Well, that's the big thing. And then I get 10 more pages and I go, oh, no, no, no okay, so that's the big thing. No, it, it, it hits every box that, um, that I've heard about in um, almost 19 years of recovery. Um, and... And so let's talk about, you know, you, you mentioned like, you know, a lot of compartmentalizing, but this mm-hmm. idea that you built up this falling. So, so you, you not only have the five children and the successful marriage and the big career, but, um, but anyway, you, so you, you build up this following. What, how is that? And how, what was that struggle like as you were, you know, sort of putting out one reality and living another? I almost feel like it, it's so automatic, and I think it's automatic for everybody. And, and in a lot of ways, you want to put out the happy things, right? You get family photos done for a reason. Everybody does that. And we all know the kids are bitching and moaning, and you're bribing them with candy. Like, we know that's not how your family is when we see the picture. Like, we all know that. Um, but you want to put out the, the pretty picture. So I think in a lot of ways, social media is just, it's going to be like that. It is, it is your your best foot forward. You're putting out the good stuff. And so I I just think you get so inundated with it that you start to believe that that's reality. You start to believe that's other people's reality. And, you know, you see it with even like social media with kids, you, people start feeling left out. They think everybody's lives are so exciting. They think, you know, so it starts to create kind of this compare comparison. And, um, and so I found myself looking at myself like, that's not really my life. Like I, you know, everything looks so happy and everything looks so great. And yes, all, a lot of those things were true, but what was really going on behind the scenes, um, you know, it's something that's kind of hard to come to terms with. And I think it's why a lot of people feel like they're not normal, um, or that they're screwed up or they're doing something wrong or that they have to drink because they think all these people are so happy all the time. You know, Emily's so happy all the time. She's so successful. She's so calm. Like if I had a dollar for every time people told me I'm such a calm parent with my kids and I felt like I was always losing my mind, um, you know, it just, what I heard about myself didn't match the way I felt. Um, and so it wasn't really until again, my, my brain was clear and I could, I could process things and I wasn't just drinking things away that I could see how, how long I had been doing that, um, and just putting up the pretty picture and, and it just wasn't reality. Right. Right. So because the focus now in this podcast is more about, uh, struggling to success, what do you think it is in you that makes you this fighter? You know, you experience things that would have decimated other people. Instead, you're thriving. What do you think it is about you? Um, that made you able to do that? I don't know if it's one thing. Um, I mean, there were times when I, I would say, and you know, reading the book, people understand like that I was just done. You know, I, that was that was it. Like I was a, just a very low point, just done. Um, and 
you know, I don't know if resilience is something you're born with or something you learn. And I think going through all of those things, um, you know, you climb one mountain, you realize you can climb the next one and you can climb the next one. And, you know, I think there's times when sometimes you just get tired and you don't want to climb anywhere goddamn mountains anymore. But, you know, it's, I think it's just realizing that I had been through more difficult things. And maybe because, you know, from this, from my most probably, I would say most traumatic experience was in childhood. Right. And so even though I didn't deal with it until I was an adult, that was just always something that I knew I had, even though I hadn't really overcome it, you know, I just felt like nothing else I went through was ever as traumatic as that. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe that's why, um, I don't know, because honestly, even me reading it, like I know the story, I know everything I've been through and me reading it. I'm like, oh my God, <laughs> again, like, you know, one more right. thing after one more thing after one more thing. And, um, so I don't know if it's just the way I am or it's just, I've built up a resilience. Um, but do you see a connection between those who are all the people you know who are terribly successful and define that how you want and the amount of struggle they've had, not in their careers, but in their personal life? For sure. And those that I, I know about, um, right? Because again, we see the things we want to see, but you know, uh, really good friends of mine who have also you know, succeeded, not just in my company, other companies and um, you know, other areas of life, I guess. They have, they've gone through some pretty major things, whether it's, their, you know, with their family when they were little or, um, you know, divorces, um, being fired, whatever it is. I, I don't know anybody really who has just had like a straight line. They were born, they went to school, they went to college, they got a great job and they had a great family and then that was it. Like everybody has something. Um, I feel like everybody has something super traumatic that's happened to them. I wonder. I I feel like that's true for a lot of people, mm -hmm. but I do think there are, there are people in the world. Granted, they're not people that I spend a lot of time with who who really have it. Who have who um, you know? And God bless them. Didn't suffer trauma as a kid. Mm -hmm. Went through life. Of course, they have skirmishes. Of course, they have heartbreak and getting fired and or whatever those things are. But I believe a lot of those people don't often strive as much. You know, my friend and I have this, not joke, but it's like the people we know with the most supportive parents, and I know you have come from a very supportive family, are oftentimes not the most successful because they've been told over and over again, like, here's your participation medal. And right. those of us who were more striving for approval kind of keep chasing it, possibly not from a healthy place. Mm -hmm. Possibly. Well, and I even think of my own husband who's had a very wonderful family, wonderful childhood, wonderful you know, college experience, great job, has always been very high achieving and such a hard worker. But then he married me. So I guess I'm the traumatic man. <laughs> right. So everybody's got something. Um, but exactly. If you do have a, an easy, you know, straight arrow life, you're going to have people in you, your life who haven't. Yeah. So whether it's direct or indirect, you're going to have a child who, you know, has some sort of a struggle or whatever. I just, I feel like everybody's going to run into it at some point. You're either dealing with it your whole life or, you know, or you're not, but. So in terms of um, success, what does success look like in terms of this book? 
to you? Like, what is your dream and vision? What's on the Emily vision board for this? Yeah. So I've honestly, for me, number one thing was having it all written and having it out there was like the number one really goal for me is I, I knew that I just, I needed everything out. I needed to have it down in a place where it made sense to me and made sense to other people. And I, I wanted something out there that I wish I could have picked up and read so many times over the years. Like I'm not alone. I'm not weird. I'm not crazy. I'm, you know, there's other people going through these types of things. So just first and foremost, having it out there is like, you know, off my bucket list. Right. Um, you know, I would love to, um, I would love to speak, um, to, you know, whether it's at women's conferences or recovery conferences or whatever it is about those things that people don't like to talk about, you know, about trauma and childhood and about eating disorders or, um, you know, those lies of omission, little white lies that people kind of brush under the rug and they're not maybe a huge issue. You know, it's not like heroin overdoses or these things we think of when we think of addiction problems and people hitting rock bottom, but it's all those little things that add up that really just destroy, destroy people. Um, and to see that you can come out on the other side and guess what? You're still going to be dealing with stuff, but there's other ways to deal with it. And again, no matter how many mountains you climbed, you fall, fall down, you climb another one, you fall down. Um, and no matter how many times you screwed up or whatever, I guess I just want, um, I just want to be like a beacon of hope for somebody. Yeah. And whether that's through speaking or someone reads the book or um, whatever it is, um, I'm just kind of following the direction that, that it leads me really. And what are your fears around it? Um, I don't know if I have any like specific fears. Um, you know, it's just there, it is a scary experience. Like it's, a, it's putting yourself out there and I'm, I'm pretty good with negative feedback. I'm pretty good with ignoring trolls and, you know, it, that doesn't bother me so much. Um, you know, I, I want, I want this experience to be good for my family. You know, I want, I want to show my kids that this is something you can do. Um, you can be honest, you can be brave and bold and put yourself out there and, um, without worrying about what there is to fear, right? Not worrying about negative feedback or being judged. Um, you know, that it, it, it just is so much better living authentically and putting yourself out there. So. Yeah. Well, what, um, and, and what we were talking about yesterday is kind of, and well, maybe I shouldn't even be mentioning this, but making highlight reel into a whole <laughs> series. I love this idea. <laughs> like the um, next, the next, uh, episode of <laughs> on the next episode. <laughs> we need it. Our society needs it. So if you had to define the word struggle, how would you define it? Um, me personally, I think a struggle is anything that you have to get through. And I think that can, 
it, it can look so different for different people, but you know, if it's not, if it's process is not easy, if things don't happen the first time, and I don't think struggle should be a negative word. Um, I think, you know, challenges, um, I don't know, I, I guess what I would define as a struggle and what other people would define as a struggle would be two different things. Um, but for me, I don't think it's necessarily negative. I think every day is a struggle in some ways. Um, sometimes it's a struggle to get out of bed and that's okay. Like, I think you just, you chalk it up to, you know, that particular day and you move on um, right. and you move on to the next struggle. Like maybe, you know, I'm going to have a bad hair day. I don't know. Like any, right. any little thing can be considered a struggle. Um, could be hard getting my kids in the car. They might not want to go to school. So it's something that I think we just need to notice. And life's not always going to be easy. And it's not, again, going to be what you see. Um, you know, it's not going to be, you're so calm. Um, you know, it's going to be the neighbors hearing me yelling at the kids to get in the car. Like, um, yeah. I mean, I guess that's a harder question than I thought it would be. I thought it would have a, it would be a simpler answer. But it's not. <laughs> and what is, what is success? look like to you? How do you define that? Oh man. I think being at peace with the way my life is, is success to me. Um, you know, because having lots of money, people think is successful, having a big family. Some people think is successful. I just think it's, it, all those things don't really matter. Um, I think I finally at a place where I'm like comfortable with who I am, comfortable with where I am. I don't know what another year is going to look like, but um, I feel like I have succeeded at this point and maybe it'll look different again in another couple of years, but this, I'm, I'm happy where I am now. Okay. Well, this is a great, note to Ben move into our lightning round, which I, I didn't. Uh, so all that means is just give the first answer that comes to mind. Um, what is your morning routine? So I get up, I brush my teeth and put my contacts in and then start with the kids breakfast and etc. Um, so you don't have any like you know, I'm going to meditate and you don't have time. You have five children. No, I don't. Yeah. I do meditate when I can, but I don't in the morning. And I've tried, I've done the miracle morning. God help me. And I do a, I do a gratitude journal. I got all that stuff. It just doesn't happen. It cannot happen in the morning. Brushing my teeth is the literal only thing that can happen. And you pee. Let's, let's assume you have time to pee. <laughs> I do. Uh, yes, I do. I do that too. Um, what is one book that changed your life? Um, I would say uh, Annie Grace, This Naked Mind, mm -hmm. because I'm a total, like, I'm a science geek, and I love textbooks, and I love, and it was so informational, and being a person who got a degree in science and should know all of this stuff, and being someone who abused alcohol for so long, it was such a, like, my brain couldn't understand my own brain. Like, I can't believe I didn't see all of these things all of these years. I can't believe I didn't believe all these things all of these years. Um, and, it, you know, it's a book I recommend to people who, I know, you know, 
maybe question their relationship or just want to know more about it because it's very, it's not like you need to stop drinking. It's just, these are the facts and that's what I love about it. And I, I've had a lot of people who have recommended it to say, wow, I didn't know any of that stuff. Um, and continue to be, you know, normal drinkers. And I've had people say, wow, I really have a problem. Mm -hmm. Um, so anyway, that's one book I recommend. And she's lovely, previous yes. podcast guest. Oh. <laughs> uh, what is your favorite quote or one of them? Gosh, well, that's hard. I can see one behind your, your head right oh, now. Oh, that is the most important work you will do, will do will be in the walls of your home. So that's going to be one if it's hanging there. That's a good one. Yeah, I painted it and everything. You painted that? I did. I mean, they have like a stencil and stuff, you know. Where you find the time? I mean, honestly, that's crazy. Um, do you have slash have you ever had a mentor? Uh, yes, I have. Who was it? Who, if you could describe it? Um, well, more through work, um, okay. but uh, actually. So one of my someone I work with, um, her name's Romy Newstad. She's also an author. She's written a book about. Um, network marketing, but she actually, you know, mentored me in, you know, my network marketing business, but she was the one who invited me to speak um, at a convention a few years ago. And it was the first place I actually shared my sobriety story. It was the first place in front of a group of people. I mean, I had told people, everyone knew I wasn't drinking, right? But it was the first time I sat up in front of a group of people and said, you know, I got a DUI, I did this, I did that. I don't drink anymore. You know, it was destroying my life. And and really, you know, that I think opened up a lot of doors for me to realize that's what I really wanted to do. And I wanted to start sharing more and wanted to write a book. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. So I have, I have her to thank for the fact that I get to work with you, technically. Um, <laughs> do you have a spiritual practice? I mean, we just talked about you meditate sometimes. Um, yes, I meditate and I do have a gratitude journal. Um, you know, we're Catholic. We go to church. Um, but for me... Again, I kind of find the church to be more of like the club you're in. Um, so I pray, uh, you know, I pray for my sobriety. Um, I definitely hold the, my higher power in one hand and, and science in the other. But um, I know that there is, you know, a definite miracle behind me and where I am and what I've gone through. So, um, you know, I do pray and give thanks and gratitude. And what is your best quality? My best quality? Maybe um, resilience. <laughs> as discussed. After, yeah. As discussed. Yeah. What is your worst quality? Oh, I can be a little bit of a control freak, which I think is why I had five kids, because I literally cannot be a control freak with any of them since there are so many of them. And so. also, maybe on the last one, you'll get it perfect. <laughs> right. Totally. So many opportunities to get it perfect. <laughs> and what is, this is the last question, what is advice you'd give to somebody struggling? Just ask for help. And if you don't get it, ask somebody else. Um, right. And don't try and do it alone. Great. Okay. So you got it. This is Emily Paulson. Her book, Highlight Real, is available now so <laughs> you can go to highlight real book did we that, 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 i think that's it yeah. highlightrealbook.com you can get it on amazon if you love it 
please give it a review. That helps other people discover it and people need to discover this book. So thank you for listening. Emily, thank you so, so, so much. And um, I'll probably talk to you in five minutes. Okay, sounds good. Thanks, Anna. Thank you.